Welcome, everybody, to the Sons of Comics podcast. Again, this is a new episode where, uh, well, first off, this is a show uh, where we talk about comic books, comic book TV shows, movies, etc., and everything uh, that nerds love and enjoy just as much as the you know cocaine addict loves to uh, snort the white stuff. So, uh, I'm your host, Steve Pugh. And I'm Scott Hill. I am a very much a cocaine addict. Oh, he's huge. You should see his uh, his big, you know, coke nozzle uh for a, you know, for a nostril. It's uh, it's pretty I, I, impressive. I, I cut my I cut my nose off just so I could have more area coverage to like snort through, you know, but my nostrils weren't big enough. So, now I've just got like the whole like nose cavity. I could just and instead of just like a straw, I got in like a funnel, and he puts the small end in his nose, and I put a pile of coke in front of him, and he just does the whole thing, you know, using the funnel. So it yeah. works out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a sight to see. It's pretty amazing. It's like uh, uh, it's like watching a cat's dance or something weird, you know, a cat video from the internet. Pretty I amazing. have no idea how this in any way would resemble a, a tap dance. But moving on, what are we talking yes. about today? <laughs> today, uh, we are talking about some pretty amazing things. Uh, so this week we had uh, DC did a special event uh, on CW right after The Flash uh, aired, where mm-hmm. DC is... Uh, Showing the world their cinematic universe and one kind of, yeah, yes. For those of you who aren't aware, that's all that is on Scott's mind, twenty four seven. That's all I care about. You know, that's all about. he cares about. You know, when he, uh, and, when, you know, when he's eating breakfast, his mind's just saying freaking Wonder Woman. Just all I can think is Wonder Woman. When he's playing with his right. kids, Wonder Woman. You know, it's on, uh, it's on replay. That's right. Uh, right, he's in their own movie, and I'm excited. Yes, yes, we're all excited, um, me included. So it's it's uh, really cool because not only did Kevin Smith and Jeff Johns from DC uh, come and do this big thing, but we got glimpses into the Justice League, which we'll talk about. We got a new Suicide Squad trailer, which was fantastic, which we'll talk about. And uh, we also got some Wonder Woman footage, which is pretty early considering it doesn't come out till uh, I, I believe it's uh, June of 2017 I believe yeah it's um uh, yeah basically it, it seems like they've just kind of just fresh from filming have just sent us some of the dailies just be like look here see it's her riding on a horse not doing much but she's on a horse yeah but what else do you need I mean that's like Every guy's dream is to, like, watch her ride a freaking horse, pull out a sword, and just, you know, lay into a bunch of guys. You know? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> anyway, this special event was so much fun to watch. I mean, you watched it, right, Scott? Yeah, yeah, I watched it in uh, bits and pieces via YouTube. I didn't watch it live. I couldn't. Well, I couldn't watch it live either, so I may or may not have borrowed it from the internet, and I like watched the whole thing. You know, Did commercial the free. Do a late fee if you didn't return it back. No, not really. No, but the yeah, internet was like that's how borrowing you know. works in my universe. So I don't know how it works in yours. <laughs> 
uh, I'll get, I'll have to return it in karma. You know, it's going to come back to me someday, and I'll have to pay it in in uh, you know my children's kidney someday or something. You know, it's all my fault. Oh, but wow. uh, <laughs> who is your lender? Freaking Rumble Stolskin! Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> You gotta read the fine print. How many times do I have to tell you? Read the fine print. Uh, you apparently you don't need to tell me. You need to tell yourself, Mister. I'm now having to give up my children's kidneys. Tattoo it on my arm. Read the fine print, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, only if you just don't, you know, tattoo it on your arm in big block letters, so that defeats the purpose. It should be really tiny letters, so it trains you. No, it's tattooed on my forehead. That way, every time I look at myself, I feel really, really bad. And then I look at that little thing on my forehead, and I feel even worse. <laughs> nice. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I watched the whole thing. And uh, first off, I've been listening to Fat Man on Batman, which is uh, which is Kevin Smith's uh, podcast, where him and uh, this other guy... They you hear that, Kevin Smith? We shamelessly plugged you. You're welcome. Yeah, you're freaking welcome. Um, they no, talked about a bunch of stuff. I mean, it's just hair. Oh, it's just being polite. It's just, you yeah. know, it's uh, it's manners. You know, manners yeah. make it man. Uh, if you learn the, anything from Kingsman. Um, that's a good movie. <laughs> it's a freaking good movie. It's, it's, it's on my uh, top ten from this year, uh, which we need to do. We need to do a podcast about our best of 2015, and then hopefuls for 2016. Um, yeah, so his podcasts are 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 pretty great. I really enjoy it. I'm actually listening to one right now. He just did a big interview with Brandon Routh, like talking to Brandon Routh about his history in film and uh, his superhero roles. You know, he's he was Dylan Dog, he was uh, Superman, now he's uh, Ray Palmer, and uh, he was also in Scott Pilgrim, so he's had quite a few like comic book uh, yeah. roles. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I gotta brief- give kudos to him. He's amazing. Yeah, I briefly uh, met him in person, actually. Oh and, no um, way! Yeah, it wasn't the last Comic Con, but it was the one before. Um, I was dressed as Hister Batman at the time, and <laughs> it was very fun to see him. Just kind of see, you know, as I approach. He just kind of looks at me like, what in the hell are you? And I, you know, I totally razzed him because I'm like, what, you don't remember me? Tell that you're some big shot actor. You're too good to remember Hipster Batman. <laughs> you got mainstream. And it was great because he totally played along. <laughs> he was just like, it's like, oh, I still got cred. It was great. Yeah, he seems like a really, really cool guy. Um, really down yeah, very down to earth. You know, I I honestly thought he was from Canada. Like I didn't ever read his IMDb <laughs> stuff, and I thought he was from Canada. And so I just learned so nice. today. Well, yeah, it's just that it's that freaking demeanor that he can't. Hey, you just you just leave me alone, okay? I'm just trying to say something. <laughs> you know, I learned he was from Iowa, and I was like, oh well, I guess that fits too because people from Iowa are super nice too. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, yeah, he's see, a, who else he's is a from Iowa? Now that I think about it, um, I know there's another. Important, there's some important like comic book character that's from Iowa that Captain is Kirk. to Brendan Ralph somehow. I don't know who. Um, is it Shazam? No, no. Is it um, 
Come on. Ethereum? No, no. It's a, uh, uh, never mind. Actually, no, completely never mind because I am now realizing I just confused Iowa with Kansas, which is where Superman is from. And, uh, yeah, you did. You just totally, you totally ruined it. You ruined it. Wow. I ruined it. I, we, you know what? Iowa, Kansas, they're like the same place. You know, you can't really tell the difference. It's just like you can't tell the difference between North and South Dakota, really. They're they're yeah. pretty much the same. Yeah, I yeah. know. I mean, you especially you especially can't tell the difference between the two if you've never been to either one. You know, I mean, it's even easier to. to get, <laughs> you can get look confused. at a topographical map, a, a topographical not a map, a, a topographical map of those states, and you're just like, I don't see any difference. See, the last the last time I tried to look at a topographical map. Um, Freddy Krueger was having sex with it, and then we got that pool. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, God bless that event, because, um One of the most amazing Utah things, was that now that you mentioned uh, Deadpool, is the fact that Ryan Reynolds has been trying to get this movie going for the last, like, ten-something years or more, and it's just been him pushing for this movie to happen, and I gotta yeah. give it to him. That's That's so cool. It's not often that you find an actor that loves a comic book character so much that they're like, I am willing to put time and effort every day for this many years to to see this happen. You know, and you can tell that now that it's happening, he is like having the time of his life. He is so. He says it's not even going to work. It's like the best thing that ever. You know, yeah. I mean, he he said every time I put on that suit, it's like an emotional experience for him. He, like, wants to tear up sometimes. He's like, I can't believe this is finally happening. I get to do yeah. this. It's amazing. So I got to, you know, give him props, fist bump him digitally, metaphorically, for, you know, putting that much effort into it. It's a Except real dedication. With him, being, with him being dental, he doesn't do fist bumps. He does sword fights. Or he'll just, you know, put a sword through me and, you know, no, no, turn no, me no, into no. a freaking kebab. Not that kind of sword. Not that kind of sword. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. You got that well, tool. <laughs> uh, you, did you see that billboard they did? Uh, they they turned it into a romantic. It looked like a yeah. Nicholas Sparks uh, billboard that they did for the Deadpool movie. It's like yeah. him and Miranda Bakarin, uh, and it's like their love is like everlasting, and it's oh no, the, the it's best hilarious. Is that, the best of them is like a Tumblr post or something like that going around where it shows. Some guy um, texted a picture of that billboard to his girlfriend being like, hey, you know, I know this isn't usually my type of film, but, you know, I, I thought maybe we could go see this together. Um, oh, she's in for a freaking treat. Well, like, yeah, he's, he's like, apparently there's some action in it too, so I might enjoy it as well. She's like, and hers was like, okay, I'll be... Yeah. Oh, oh, and he, like, described it like, it's the guy who... You know, ends up getting cancer and goes in for uh, an experiment that really tries their love and <laughs> responds back like <laughs> responds back going, Okay, I'm gonna see you those probably gonna make me cry and I'm just imagining the boyfriend just going, <laughs> Dude, that guy is like master manipulator. Oh baby, this is gonna be such a good experience for us. You're gonna love it. Oh yeah. And then she goes and sees it and she's like that what was crap was that? <laughs> it it kind of reminds me, uh, I'm sure it'll be just like, um, you ever see that movie Tan's Labyrinth? 
I've never seen Pan's Labyrinth. It looks freaking oh, weird, though. Dude, I own a copy. You need to see it. It is one of those beautiful movies ever made. Well, and here's another thing you didn't know about me that's probably going to make you hate me, is that I have never seen any of the Rocky movies. I don't give a shit. Anyway, back to Oh, oh wow, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, back to Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, one of my favorite memories from that movie, because I guess, like, people didn't notice the big rated R sign, and they're just like, oh, look, a little girl going and... Uh, you know, having imagination and adventures and everything like that. And then you watch the movie yourself and the guy's face gets smashed in with a wine bottle. Yeah, when that part happened, there's a girl with her boyfriend, like, just a few seats over. And that she very loudly went, what the crap? Like, she was, did not see it coming. She was so Oh, man. And so I imagine that. You know, this girlfriend is probably going to be the same, the same way. <laughs> that guy is definitely not getting sex tonight. <laughs> It'll be worth it, though. <laughs> he got put in the doghouse, but he, yeah. you know, he's sitting there smiling to himself. I did it. I win. Yeah. You know, that, he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. The best part of this new Deadpool movie is that it has absolutely nothing to do with the topic that we were going to be discussing tonight. Exactly. But it's so much fun. Um, Wouldn't be Deadpool if it wasn't a tangent. No, no, that's a very Deadpool-esque thing to do. Um, by the way, just as a side note from news, uh, reviews are in for Deadpool for uh, screenings. Uh, very, very good. La 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 la. la. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I don't want to hear. Nope. Yes, ahead, you do. You want to hear I'm this? I'm not saying anything. Nope, I'm not saying anything. Uh, they're already talking about doing a Cable and Deadpool movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's it for Deadpool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know anyway. that Rob Leefield tweeted the picture of John Hamm photoshopped so it looked like Cable. They did that you for know, Liam John- Neeson, too, as well. Yes, yes, I know who John Hamm is. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I live under a rock, so I'm like one of those people that's like, what's Mad Men? Oh, this actually is a big cultural milestone. My mistake. But <laughs> the weird thing is, is like the picture that was tweeted. I'm like, I could actually see John Hamm playing dead, uh, playing uh, Cable now. I could. And the guy I could see Liam Neeson really doing it too. Yeah, but I don't know. In some ways, like in some ways, I wouldn't see Cable. I would just see Liam Neeson dressed as Cable. No, well, somebody did a uh, a mock-up of him. They did, like, a rendering or a drawing of him as Cable, and it, it looked legit. It looked really good, actually. Well, my, I was quite surprised. My dream casting for Cable is still Stephen Lang. Um, he's the Doesn't general guy from, from Avatar. Yeah. The villain. Oh, right. Yeah, he's pretty good, too. Yeah, he'd be a great option. Yeah, like, he's I kind of got that... You know, jerk, a hole type general guy. You know, former military. It's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd be real good. Yeah, um, he's still. He's my favorite. Um, my favorite choice, and apparently it's been brought up to him too. He's like, I would totally be down to play cable if they want me to. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So 
I have one more thing to tell you. I got to plug something here uh, for Geek Fuel. Um, if you don't know what Geek Fuel is, it's a subscription service. It's a box service where they'll send you a box full of geeky goodies. Um, this month, I just got my box today. Uh, one of the coolest things that it came with was it came with a mug, and it, they basically did the Starbucks logo, but they did Star Labs coffee. So think of the the Starbucks <laughs> logo, but in the middle, instead of the mermaid, it had like the flash with lightning coming off of him. And then instead of Starbucks, it said Star Labs coffee. It's a freaking legit mug. It's so great. And um, I tweeted it to the to like the CW Flash, and I was like, "Oh, the Flash sped in and saved me this morning with a pick me up. Thanks, thanks, Scarlet Speedster." So, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. It also came with a brief history of time travel T-shirt. So it had like all the major time machines since H.G. Wells' original, like, time machine thing. So it had that uh, that old time machine. Then it had the TARDIS. Then it had, um, let's see, it had the uh, the DeLorean. Then Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, phone booth. Then it had the Terminator, like the Terminator doing his, like, kneel on one knee, naked yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally... Um, Crap, what was the last one? Uh, I don't remember what the last one is, but uh, it's it's pretty legit. It looks really it's really it's a really cool T shirt. Um, oh man, it doesn't it doesn't have the box from Primer. From what? Primer. Primer is the most um it, it's it's the one uh movie about time travel that is as confusing to the audience as time travel would be to a time traveler. Yeah, but it's not a... It's, I mean, it wasn't a popular enough movie to make the cut, I guess, for this. Shut up, man. It's because you're a hipster, okay? It's because you're a hipster. You say hipster as if that, like, somehow invalidates my opinion. Like, that movie was freaking rad, and you need to see it. I, I definitely will. I'm just saying that it, it probably just didn't make the mainstream cut. Uh, and the last one was the Hot Tub Time Machine. That's what it was. Oh. Um, yeah, have yeah, you never seen Hot Tub Time Machine? Uh, no. It's know. definitely worth... The first one's definitely worth a watch. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I've heard the second one's crap. <laughs> yeah, the second one's just kind of a, a dalliance about time, and it wasn't as uh, as yeah. uh, directed or driven story-wise. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, if Primer is if Primer is mainstream enough, uh, mainstream enough for XKCD, I think it should be mainstream enough enough for our view our listeners. Well, if you wanted, if you said that, there was also um, what was that? Uh, there was a time the uh, something project. Um, what was it called? It was like a time-traveling backpack. Like, it was something this kid could put in his backpack and these mm. group of friends would... You know what I'm talking about? No. But it sounds cool. It, it, it looked pretty cool. It was like a, you know, Cloverfield, you know, all shot by the uh, by the person who's holding the camera, like one of the cast members mm. or whoever's in it. So that type of show. But, um, oh, Project Almanac. That's what it was. Mm. So... 
kid finds a time machine that his dad was working on for some government project. These kids abuse the time machine to do a bunch of stuff and have fun and do a bunch of pranks and all this, you know, BS. I didn't see the movie. I'm just telling you the plot, but uh, it actually looked pretty good. Um, I'm not sure what the reviews say, though. Anyway. Anyway, if my A to Z grows impatient, let us discuss the new DC stuff. Can we? Yes. Or were you still? Yes. yes. I just wanted to say, check out Geek Fuel. Uh, it's a great subscription service. They totally nailed it this month with a bunch of Flash stuff. It was all Flash pretty much related. Um, uh, check it out. I think you guys will like it. Anyway, back to our topic. and We're going to stay on it. We're not going to move. Um, nope. No deviating. No, no deviating. Um, so no stalling either. Hey, staller. That's not stalling, staller. Uh, so Kevin Smith basically got to break open everything and talk about how DC is finally getting on the ball with creating their cinematic universe, and this is kind of in response to how well Marvel has done with theirs. Um, Marvel has been doing this for a long time, but now I'm I'm super excited to see DC really put uh, put them put their money where their mouth is and create the cinematic universe like they have. And uh, they started out by like talking about Batman v Superman, and then uh, they moved on to Suicide Squad. So why don't we just go straight to the Suicide Squad trailer and we'll kind of uh, we'll talk about that. All right. So, so, what were your thoughts about the Superman trailer? About the, the Suicide Squad trailer? The Suicide Squad trailer. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I'm... You said Superman trailer. You're thinking about Suicide something else. Suicide Squad trailer, yeah. Keep, keep your ma- mind here, Scott. Come on. Um, <laughs> well, you know, um, Iowa, Kansas, Superman, Suicide Tom Squad, Welling. they're all the same. They're the same in the same universe, yeah. like we're talking about. Um, I I loved the new Suicide Squad trailer, uh, and I think we we've talked about this f- before, but this felt like watching Guardians of the Galaxy trailer 2.0. Like this is yeah. like this is like what you could expect from Marvel, only better in a way because this is a bunch of actual villains coming together to do something that they're forced to do, you know, uh, to do a good thing, which I think most people will enjoy. Because, I mean, we all secretly love watching people who hate each other and hate being good have to do good. It's just, yeah, it's kind of fun to watch people do that. So, uh, yeah, the trailer was an excellent, excellent, excellent use of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Like, that the way that song was cut together and the, and the way it like matched the visuals and the way they got the sound effects to kind of like intermingle in with the song, like as someone who does video editing, I was just like, <laughs> it was like visual candy. It really was like yeah, it was all it the, was really the good. like the backlit uh, symbols, like the DC symbol, kind of like that. Uh, they had the uh, how would you describe it? It's like the neon glow behind the symbols and kind of mm-hmm. setting the, the theme for the whole thing was really, really well done. Yeah. Uh, it really gives you a sense and a feel for the kind of universe and the place where these characters exist. 
is is yeah. very dark. It's cityfied. It's it's in the bars and the pubs. They're all dirty. They, you know, this is the part of town that they dwell in. It's like them living in Hell's Kitchen. That's their that's where they exist. That's where they're they call home. Is is that kind of area? But uh, yeah, we got a good look at all the characters all around. We got. Uh, good bits from Amanda Waller, played by uh, oh, I always Viola Davis. Name. Yes, Viola Davis, which yeah. is she's amazing. Um, my favorite movie she, with her in she it, is amazing, help. and she really is great. Yeah, and the movie that I saw that convinced me that she's going to be really good in this. It's a little obscure, you know, hipster, but uh, it's called Solaris. It has George Clooney. It's kind of a sci-fi thing, but the character that she plays in that is very much like some weird sci-fi stuff is going on, and she's um, and she's basically like sort of paranoid enough that she's like, "Look, if I have to if I have to blow every single one of you out of the airlock just to survive, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have to lock down any control." And she's like the one person who doesn't get you know, that doesn't have anything get the jump on her in that movie. And so after seeing that, I'm like, oh, she's going to kill it as Amanda Waller. You definitely have to have someone who can do that. I am I am unwilling to budge on my position with my beliefs. You know, she's stubborn. She's hard-headed. She's kind yeah. of... A- She's kind of a dick, really. I mean, she goes toe-to-toe, like, standing and staring down Batman and Superman. Like, she's the kind of woman that does not turn away. She knows yeah. she could get crushed by any one of these people, and is unflinching. And I think Viola Davis yeah, will nail that. Yeah, she's, she's the type of woman that basically will just say, no, you move. Yeah, exactly. She's the, she's yeah. the wall, and you are the thing that moves. You know, you, she doesn't yeah. go anywhere. So, and so she's she's, she's got an it. outstanding performance, yeah, that, that we can look forward to. Uh, I think my favorite moment, though, from the other characters was the moment that uh, Captain Boomerang, played by Jay Courtney, is let out of the bag, and he just he just decks <laughs> the guards in the face. He's, He's just like, I, I hate everybody. I hate all of you. He's such a douche. Like, his character I is, is going to be Captain Boomerang so much fun to watch. Because Captain Captain Boomerang is a grade A dick, and he really you know, is. every like every every team has that one guy, that one person that basically just does nothing but piss everyone off and just cause just cause everyone to just be on edge. And on this team, that is absolutely Captain Boomerang. For um, any of you listeners who's not that familiar with Captain Boomerang, he's typically a Flash villain. And the funny thing is that, you know, Flash's villains, like Commander Cold and... Um, Captain Cold. Well, sorry, <laughs> Commander Cold. Oh, my gosh. I am, like, on Wonder. There, Good there, job. There's a gas leak in my house. Good job. That's what I'm going to believe it on. There's a gas leak. Anyway. Commander Cold. Gosh. There's a gas leak somewhere in your home. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you kind of already see a little bit on the Flash TV show, but Captain Cold is is pretty is a little bit chummy to the to his fellow villains. Not all of them, but anyway, like it, most of Flash's villains get along with each other. They've got each other's backs. They're they're willing to unite 
the fight against the Flash, as opposed to like Batman kind of an uncommon two. phenomenon uh, when you go to other superhero villains. No, not to the level that like the Flash villains do. Like they're they like. Oh, I'm like saying, yeah. That's that the Flash villains definitely they they like to coexist and team up against the Flash. However, you know, Batman's villains, they don't always work well together. Sometimes they try. You know, yeah. None of Superman's yeah. villains even really do yeah, that either. It, it's like the Flash's villains, you know, when Batman's villains team up with each other, they end up they end up backstabbing each other. With the Flash's villains, they actually buckle down, work together, and would almost get the job done, but the Flash is just too fast. And so, you know, all of, you know, most of the Flash's villains get along with each other really well, but there's one big glaring exception to that, and that is freaking Captain Boomerang, who they he, all hate. They hate him. <laughs> like, I cannot guy. wait. He is going to be the funniest part of the movie. I mean, I, you're going to see fun stuff from Harley Quinn, and you might even get a quip or two from uh, Deadshot, but I definitely think that Jay Courtney is going to be the comic relief uh major of the movie, and I, I love that. I think it's great. I mean, yeah, he's a dick, but he's fun to watch being a dick. That's the fun thing about him. Yeah. And then he gets his, he'll probably get his ass kicked by somebody for being such a dick, you know, like Deadshot will punch him in the face and be like, just shut up. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Uh, more than likely that'll happen. Uh, who else did you like? What else did you see that you liked? Um, you know, I... I liked how we saw a bit more of Harley Quinn. I liked her little quips. Like, I, I love the whole bit about, like, wait, what's that? I should kill everybody and escape? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, the voices. Actually, no, I'm really just kidding. That's not what they said. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I, I thought that was pretty good. I like the um, quip where she breaks the window and she's like, He's Joel Kinnaman, uh, you know, who plays Rick Flagg, is just like, what is wrong with you? You know, she steals, like, a yeah. handbag from a store, and she's like, we're bad guys. It's what we do. Rick Flagg is the only one amongst them who's a law-abiding citizen. Yeah, <laughs> he's exactly. The one, he's the one that basically was, like, assigned to them to play babysitter. He's just like, what? Why the hell did they put me with these guys? <laughs> I feel I feel bad for Joel Kinnaman because this is going to be, like, one of his great successes. And this is, like, his, I almost feel like this is his recovery from RoboCop reboot. And Which I, did, I was pleasantly surprised that he was not that bad in that movie, but that movie just overall was kind of mediocre. Yeah, it was very, very, very mediocre. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. It was very, very middle ground. Like, it could have been a lot better. It could have been worse. I mean, I, mean, but, I actually yeah. thought it was a fairly... I actually thought it was a fairly solid movie, but the, but the fact that it was RoboCop, I think, is what hurt it. Like, if it had been called Cyborg Cop, and, you know, they're making it obvious that, hey... Our inspiration is RoboCop, but we're a slightly different movie. I think it would have judged it a little less harshly, but it's like RoboCop is a freaking classic. Like, and I, I say that without a bit of irony. That is like one of the best movies ever made. It is I, such a searing, wonderful uh, satire of of. Um, of America at the time, and honestly, it still applies to a lot of America today. 
That movie. I definitely agree with that. And I think it's funny how a lot of these great classic movies are being rebooted. Like I, a lot of people hated it, but I really enjoyed the uh, Judge Dredd reboot with uh, Carl Urban. Who the hell hated that movie? I have. I talked to I talked to a few people, and they're like, "Oh, that was stupid. I, I didn't even think it." It lived up to the original. I was like, you shut your face. That is that is ridiculous. How dare you? I thought it was freaking awesome. It nailed You're the... Hearing that it nailed the hearing that I know. Hearing that I'd be legitimately angry because that movie... I know. That movie was. Killed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that movie... Yeah, I'm just like, that movie... That movie and, uh, and Mad Max Fury Road make a great double oh. feature, by the way. Like, you watch those two of them. Yeah. Dude, we need to do that. We should totally do that. I, like, I'm yeah. I'm putting it down. We got to get, like, a schedule going. We're going to, like, do a double feature and, like, find a projector and watch those freaking movies because and those maybe movies we'll... kick ass together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you almost kind of squint, you can almost... You can almost pretend that Mad Max takes place out in the desert and that somewhere in the desert is Mega City One and that they're in the same universe. Or, well, you know, they're they're like the Mad Max is in like Australia and then yeah. somewhere in like future Los Angeles is Mega City One. It's, you know? It would be New York, actually. Oh, was it? Mega City One is is like covers New York, Chicago, like that whole ginormous area. I think if I was ever born in that time area or that timeline or whatever, I would just shoot myself, you know. As soon as I, I could hold a gun, I'd be like, I'm not living in this world. I can't do it. <laughs> but that's, uh, you the, wouldn't even, that's the beauty you of wouldn't it. You wouldn't even it, want to talk to Walter the Wobot? No. No. Maybe Walter Judge the Dredd. Wobot was the best. Somewhere listening to this is cringing. Is laughing. Or cringing, because yeah, I know people cringing. that love that character from the comic, and I know people that hate that character from the comic. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Carl Urban nailed being Judge Dredd. He's so good um, as Judge Dredd. He's just this cold, gruff... He's like a piece of sandpaper wearing yeah. a helmet and carrying a big yeah. gun that can shoot all kinds of cool bullets. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we're getting off topic. We said we'd stay on. Um, yeah, we got a good glimpse of the new uh, Joker again. So we got some more yeah. Joker. Uh, he it, seems even more crazier than we saw before. Yeah, I'm. I, I think I'm still slowly like I'm warming up a little bit, or at the very least, feel like I'm. I'm at least convinced now that he's not going to ruin the movie. You know what I mean? Uh, he. I don't know. It's. Well, Jeff what, Johns described him as a wild card in the movie, so I'm really interested to see how that idea plays in. You know, he's well, either I mean, going to yeah, work with the team or like, against the team. Like, plot function, of course he's going to be a wild card. He's the Joker. But I'm just, like, looking at performance, and it's like, I'm still, you know, I'm still, oh, my gosh. Sorry for those uh, listening, my wife who probably imagine I'd be in bed right now, just came out of the hallway and scared the crap out of me. (laughs) Awesome. Did you notice that on the special, uh, how 
Jared Leto, like when he was actually talking to the camera, he was like trying to play the Joker, like make it really creepy when he was like, there will always be a Joker. And he's like, I'm part of that life. You know, I'm part of that Joker, you know, uh, family, uh, the family of Jokers, people that have played him. And, well, yeah. And it was like super creepy the way he said it. But uh, I was actually, I got the chills this time from watching his performance. He was like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to hurt you really, really bad. I actually got the chills this time. The, I'm, and, uh, I'm, I'm still kind of like, that line especially, to me, actually feels like warmed over Heath Ledger. So I don't, like, like I, I guess what I worry about is that in the end, his performance won't actually be all that distinctive. But, um, I don't know, there was actually one thing in the trailer, though, that I saw that, you know, if they play it up, I think might actually be a really cool way to make him distinct. Which was, uh, did you see the bit where he jumps into the, it looks like he swan dives into a vat where Harley Quinn had fallen into or something, a vat of chemicals? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, that could possibly be part of just like her backstory, but I mean, you can kind of see like a, you can kind of see her hair dye, kind of like, um, seeping out of her hair and floating in the vat water sludge. And so I'm, I'm part of me is kind of wondering if it's actually in the story proper. And, and I'm wondering if that means that the Joker will actually have a moment where he kind of goes out of his way to save her from dying or something like that, which would be very different from how the Joker usually treats Harley Quinn. Usually he's just like, oh, Harley, you're going to die. Oh, well. And, yeah. Um, and and in this case, like... Interesting. Yeah, in this case, I think it would be interesting just because, um, you know, the Joker's pretty irredeemable. He always is. He's never going to be... He's never going to turn good. But, I mean, if we see him, even though he's irredeemable, willing kind of actually show that he genuinely cares on some level about Harley Quinn. Because he's irredeemable, that to me strikes me as something that would actually be kind of nicely tragic where it's like, in a way, it's like she represents the humanity that he's let go of and lost. And there's still a part of him that wants that humanity back, but it's never going to happen. Oh, how Shakespearean of you. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. But, You're uh, welcome. <laughs> but you know, I mean, and like, if if that's the if they play that angle, I actually think that would be really cool and really like a, a really um, good take on the character. Just sort of like, uh, you know, just another way to show he's lost, he's completely lost his humanity. By and we show that by having him do something that's strangely humane. Yeah. It's kind of out of character for him. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch though. I'm sure we'll we'll get lots of interactions between him and Harley Quinn for sure. Uh yeah. whether it's whether it's history bits or whether we actually get them together during uh their actual mission. Either yeah. way it'll be it'll be fun to watch him uh try his Joker out and see how well it goes. 
Uh, well, I don't. I have a lot of faith in Jared Leto. A lot of people don't like him. Uh, they think he's a better singer than he is an actor, or vice versa. I just think he's great all around. Um, so, you know, I mean, if a guy can win an Oscar for, you know, a movie last year, what's to stop him from doing another great movie, you know, or just doing one of his characters? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, he's great to see. I really liked how most of the characters' costumes are are fairly close to the comics. Like Captain Boomerang, he's got a big jacket, obviously. Well, Katana's especially, like Katana's costume is straight up her comic book costume, and it looks great. Like, I, I love it. It totally has that sort of kind of um, new, you know, futuristic samurai-esque look to it. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited to have Katana. She's kind of, she's a character that I think is very interesting to the idea that her sword is possessed by her dead husband. And um and so like when she kills people with it it sucks up souls and everything. And I, I think that, she's that just, has a major part to play in the movie, like in solving yeah, like, their problem, her sword is yeah. going to like play a big part in it. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean you saw her eyes turn black in the in the preview, I'm sure that's kinda of what that had to do. But it'll be it'll be interesting too, especially since in the comics she's actually usually not portrayed as a villain per se. Like I mean she's kind of a dark anti hero, but still very much a hero, so she actually made an appearance in Arrow last season, if I'm not mistaken. She, I think uh, you might be right actually, yeah. Uh you know, her counterpart in T V series uh showed up for a uh uh Rachel Ghoul uh episode. Or something that's happened in non, uh, Nanda Parbat. So uh, this will this will be fun to watch with her, especially. So yeah, and then she was also uh, she was also on Beware the Batman for as long as that lasted. <laughs> Not very long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Deadshot. He's pretty much straight on. He nails it. Uh, his costume. His costume is, is pitch perfect. Yeah. Yeah, pitch perfect there. Uh, Killer Croc, uh, I've said this before, but I think he looks kind of short for being Killer Croc. Other than that, other than being short, he's spot on. Yeah. Um, well, the, funny thing, the funny thing is, I don't even think he's necessarily short. He's just the same size as everyone else, which is, which for Killer Croc is short. Yes, yes, exactly. Killer Croc should be, like, towering over everyone else. And to have him be the same size as everyone Kind of just makes him look small. It's weird. I mean, yeah, ninety-nine percent of the time, Killer Croc is usually like seven or eight feet tall. He's like Shaquille yeah. O'Neal tall, and yeah, he powers exactly. over everybody. And uh, but that's okay. Maybe they might play it up later that you know he's evolving because technically his character in the comic books uh, continues to grow and mutate over time. So he usually gets bigger and stronger as time goes on. So. Maybe that's something they'll play up. Maybe not. Uh, either way, he still maybe, looks good. Yeah. Either either uh, way, the makeup job looks really good. Very good. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not. Is that is that uh, pract- all practical? None of that CG, right? I'm pretty sure it's practical, but I haven't looked into it, so so I don't know. Yeah. Well, I need a closer look, and I guess we'll just have to wait for that. Um, yeah. yeah. Who else was there? Uh, there's El Diablo, who I'm not terribly familiar with. 
Uh, I've only heard his neither. name. And I still, kind of sus- I still kind of suspect, because from what I understand, you know, kind of show that this is a little darker, darker and edgier, there will definitely be uh, some of the characters, not, uh, not all the Suicide Squad characters will make it we'll to make the movie. It. And I'm kind of putting money on El Diablo as being one of the cannon fodder. Yeah, my vote's there, or for Slipknot, probably Slipknot as well. Oh, yeah, I keep, to, I keep um, forgetting Slipknot yeah, being on the he's, team. Yeah, he's, that's, that's not a good he's sign. A, His base no. Yeah, exactly. He if he's definitely cannon fire. If you can't remember that he's even in it, um, I mean, it was just sad name, because his very yeah. name is Slipknot. If that doesn't say I'm gonna die in this movie, I don't know what does. He'll be hung by his own rope, probably. That's right. Cruel irony. Waka uh, waka. Yeah, waka waka. Uh, and if you don't know anything about Suicide Squad, for those listening. Um, if any of these members of the Suicide Squad decide to step out of line, uh, Amanda Waller's safeguard for keeping them in line is to put bombs in the back of their heads. And at any time, she will detonate those bombs. And if you've seen uh, Batman Assault on Arkham, which is an animated movie, that this uh, Suicide Squad is, you know, kind of loosely based on, she does it. Uh, let's see, what was it? The KGB Beast? The KGB oh. Beast? Uh, he walks out. He, like, tries to walk out, and she just pushes the button, and pop, there goes his head. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was actually quite entertaining, really. Um, so, yeah, so, I'm guessing that's what's going to happen to Slipknot. That's yeah, maybe, my... Yeah, maybe we'll get one to step out of line, and then somebody else will just die because, you know, they're going to kill another character. Because DC's not really afraid to kill their characters. Marvel's afraid to kill off a character permanently. You know, they they always have to have their way Unless around it. Unless it's a villain. Unless it's a villain. They'll kill their villains, but they In won't. In fact, they have the opposite problem with their villains. Here. They kill them, they, they kill them, like, too quickly. It's like, um, hey, we might have wanted some more of that villain, actually. I mean... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, because if you think about it, who, as it stands, who is Marvel's best villain right now? Uh, well, technically, I think Loki is kind of their best villain. Yeah, and you want to know why? He's the only villain that's had more than one movie to develop. Yeah, I mean, you get you have to build that relationship with him, and you hate him even more as time progresses, yeah. which makes him more is, even infinitely more interesting. Yeah, because yeah, because the thing is, is he hadn't cemented himself as Marvel's greatest villain by the end of the first movie of Thor, it was watching him in Thor and kind of having that sort of tragic sense for him. And then moving to Avengers where all of a sudden that sense of tragedy is gone and he's just tackling evil. And then you move on to Thor The Dark World where you kind of have that intermingling of the cackling evil and the broken human being. It's like, because he had three movies to develop, He's that he's a totally compelling villain in the way that none of the other Marvel villains have been able to be because they've died at the end of all of their movies. They sure did. And but you know what's sad is actually my favorite villain of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is actually Red Skull, played by Hugo Weaving. And yeah. technically they didn't actually kill him because he was transported through space somewhere. 
and I was hoping that they'd bring him back, but apparently Hugo Weaving said, you know, I'm not going to do it again. Um, he was I mean, kind of one and done. They could recast. They could recast him, but no one would be quite as good as Hugo Weaving, I think, for this yeah, role. Yeah, kind of like no one would have been. No one else would have been uh, as good as Edward Norton for playing Bruce Banner. I know exactly what you mean, man. Yes, yes, indeed. It's it's truly sad because I thought I love the Red Skull. I think he's awesome. I think he has he has a very defined purpose for being a villain, yeah. and I enjoy that. I like a I like a villain that knows what he wants and he, he's a his purposes are are clear and they're valid. I don't like a villain who kind of is oh I'm just kind of a villain because of this and it's not very you know it's loose. I like something that's really cemented in there. And being a Nazi, yeah, it's 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 kind of it's already there, and then he just built upon it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Suicide Squad trailer, it was amazing. Uh, we got glimpses of a possible enemy. Um, I like the villain of the story. I have yeah. no idea what that is. It's some kind of weird science experiment gone wrong. Looks um, like it disintegrated a subway train. That's heavy. yeah. Like, holy crap, heavy. Uh, yeah. Like, El Diablo tries to flame it. Apparently, that doesn't work. At some point in the film, he tries. And, so, yeah, that's probably yeah. how El Diablo's going to die. I'm still, I'm still convinced. Slipknot, El Diablo, they're, they're, they're a cannon fodder. Oh, no, you've got my vote on that one, too. He's he's definitely gone. Um, I think a couple of them will probably escape somehow, and then the rest yeah. will go back to jail. Um, yep. So, yeah. Yeah, Suicide Squad trailer was awesome. If you haven't seen the new one, please check it out. It's definitely worth watching, no matter who you are. Yep, and very um, catchy music, too. Yeah, catchy music. It's like watching Guardians of the Galaxy, only better. And they do their own lineup, you know? They do the whole, oh, this is uh, Deadshot, he shoots people. This is Del Diablo, he burns people. This is Enchantress, she's a possessed by a witch. This is a killer croc who eats people. It's it's definitely fun to watch. So go yeah, do that. Yeah. Oh, I also uh, found out that the person doing the score for Suicide Squad is the same person who did the score for Gravity. Um, um, did you see that? Gravity? I have not, actually. I need to. Yeah, me neither. Dang it, I thought you had seen it. This would have been a lot more interesting conversation if you had seen it. Dang it. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> I was like, I haven't seen it, so bringing up this point was useless. So I'll move on. Um, yeah. Uh, the other fun stuff we Sorry, but on, Sandra Bullock's too mainstream. Yeah, well, I think I'd, I'd rather watch Interstellar, which I still haven't seen, rather than watch Gravity. Uh, and See, I'd rather just watch... Sunshine. Oh, I'd rather just watch Mad Max Fury Road. I'll watch that any day of the week. Yeah, well, I'd rather just watch a lovely French film called Amelie. Don't say that. You're you freaking <laughs> Amelie. Oh, I'll watch Amadeus. Uh, no, actually, true story though. Like, uh, even though it does, that that movie Amelie is a very lovely movie. That's like the type of movie I've where heard that. if if you it's the type of movie where if you watch it and you don't like it, we can't be friends. That's just well, kind of how that movie is that dear to me. 
I'm going to delay that experience because I don't want to cause any conflict over the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, oh, uh, getting back to our conversation about Batman and Superman from this uh, DC thing, uh, a couple of details that I learned from watching Fat Man or listening to Fat Man on Batman, so Kevin Smith, he let go some spoilers. Now, I don't know if you've heard this or not, so spoilers, possible spoilers for Batman v Superman if you uh, haven't heard this already. Uh, fast forward, spoiler alert coming. Uh, they mentioned another villain in the film and or something more about the villain. Apparently, Lex Luthor is going to have his battle armor. He's going to have a huge battle armor suit that he will be using in Batman v Superman while there's also Doomsday in the film. So we're going to get a two two-fold villain attack here. Uh, is it conf- is it like confirmed that it's Doomsday? Like have they? Yes, that have they confirmed. said that is confirmed. Okay. Yeah, uh, Jeff Johns said it was it was Doomsday. I I, I mean, it's, uh, I'm pretty sure that's who they're referring to. Uh, the other thing, Batman has Kryptonite gauntlets, which he had manufactured, and he will be using. So that's how he gives Superman his beatdown. You know, this this is something that comes straight out of, like, Hush or one of the other Batman uh, comic books where he spends millions of dollars developing this type of technology to be able to make, like, kryptonite-infused gauntlets to to give Superman the beatdown. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Our face of capitalism, Bruce Wayne, using the board member's money not to turn a profit, but to um, sink it into a project so he can punch an alien's face. Exactly. The Bat of Gotham versus the Son of Krypton. <laughs> David! So I like yes. Fighter on the night, man. Ah! The red capes the are coming. The red capes are coming. <laughs> You're a master of karate and friendship for everyone. Oh, man. The thing is great. Uh, so, um, yeah, moving on. So we also got glimpses of the other members of the Justice League, kind of in drawings and in uh, these like pictures that were made. Yeah. Uh, what was your impression of on the Flash? Um, his his armor seemed kind of bulky for me. Like you're right. I couldn't really tell, but was he wearing like plate armor? It looked like it to me, although yeah, I think you kind of have to look at it this way. Are are you okay seeing him in just like red and yellow spandex, like straight out of the comic book, or does this seem more fitting for our our day and age and for the film, the universe that this is set in? I, I don't know. I, I I kind of picture him being in an outfit that more resembles like a motorcycler, you know, whatever someone who rides a motorcycle or something like that would be wearing, like a racer, you know, so probably like leather something. Basically... You mean kind of like the CW outfit? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's like giving him metal plating seems odd to me. (laughs) For all we know, it's carbon fiber or it's some lightweight thing that he can carry around. It's just to protect his body from, you know, if he crashes into a wall, you know, if he slips on ice and he, he bonks his head. 
for for all we know, you you just enjoy you know coming up with reasons for why DC can't possibly be doing anything wrong. You know, you may have a point, but I'm going to reject what you're saying because DC's amazing. <laughs> uh, I I honestly liked it. It's different, but that's not always bad. I mean, yeah, and uh, I. It's certainly not straight out of the comic books, but it certainly doesn't look bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as for the actor, like, I'm really not familiar with him, so it seems... So, like, honestly, I don't really have much of an opinion on any of the people that we saw, like, special, like, looks of, like, both The Flash and Cyborg. It's like, well, they seem nice. I still don't feel like I've seen enough to, you know make a judgment call, but I'm sure they'll be great. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I, today I was on Twitter, and uh, I follow Grant Gustin, and he had to put out this, or he felt compelled to put out this little note to everyone, because apparently Ezra Miller's been receiving some backlash about being the Flash, and people are vying for, they're vying for Grant Gustin to be the Flash in the cinematic universe as well. And, like, Ezra Miller was getting hated on for it, and people are like, oh, freaking Grant Gustin needs to be the Flash in both of them, and this is stupid, and this is a terrible decision on DC's part, and Warner Brothers, and and he responded like he just had this great... He must have a really good manager who's got a real eye for PR and an ear for, for calming crowds, because what he wrote was, you know, just like, hey, this is not cool. Would I like would I have liked to play The Flash in both the TV and cinematic universe? Sure, that'd be great. But I have nothing but respect for Ezra, and I think he's, he's going to be great, and I think he's a great actor, and I do not take part in, you know, bashing other actors and bashing the decisions made for casting and stuff like that. It's just not cool, and it's, it's uncouth, and it's just, it's just dumb. So yeah, well, it really is. Like I mean, I remember, like I remember back when they were really trying to do an Uncharted movie, and oh, man. how people were just flipping out over the fact that any actor who was not Nathan Fillion was being discussed, and to the point that Nathan Fillion like basically like reached out and was like, hey, you know what? Stop harassing the people that they're considering. Okay, Hon- you're honestly, not making me. He's thing. like, he's like, he's like, you're not making yourself look good, and you're not making me look good either. Like you're, you're actually hurting my chances because now, you know, what I mean, like they're less you know, likely to pick him because everybody's like, oh, screw everybody else, it only has to be me. Yeah, Boy. yeah, exactly. It's like you're, you know. Like your if your goal is to get me hired in this part, the way you're going about it is actually um, counter to your goal. <laughs> That's so messed up. Honestly, I don't really think Nathan Fillion would be the best uh, Nathan Drake. I could think of like three other actors that would probably be better. But yeah, uh, like who? Uh, let's see, what's his name? Nathan Hochelin. Uh, or no, it's Tyler Hochelin. I can't even say his last name right. Um, and there's a few others that I had, I had been thinking about, but definitely not Nathan Fillion. He's just 
I just don't think he he quite fits the role. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. I don't have a dog in that fight, so anyway. Uh, yes. So uh, those rumors are pretty much confirmed on the the kryptonite gloves and the armor suit. Um, and then uh, I I like the Ray Fisher as Cyborg. I think he'll be pretty good. He definitely looks like a Victor Stone. Uh, I I I see no reason to dislike the casting choice or anything. So yeah, I'm totally on board. I'm the type of person. I'm not. I'm not the type of butt hurt geek who will be will be like, oh my gosh, they didn't read my mind and use my imagination as a template for how this movie should be made. And so I'm going to hate them. Like, I'm... I, 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 I tend to try and give things the benefit of the doubt until I, I actually see it. I do, too. You know, when they like, announced, like, Ben Affleck as Batman, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure they have their reasons, and I'm sure he'll be great. You know? Yeah. I mean, I was a little caught off guard just because I didn't even consider him. But then, like... Well, now you feel stupid you know, for not considering it, like, him after seeing him. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like, if you've seen, you know, it's like, if you've seen the movies he's been doing in recent years, like, you know, um, well, Gone Girl came out after he was announced, if I remember correctly, but, but I mean, then there was also Argo and The Town, and it's like, as a director and as an actor, like, he's, he's been kind of proving himself, so, like, and he's the first person to be like, I don't want to do another comic book movie after Daredevil, you know, if this was going to be crap. And, in fact, you know, this is his shot at redemption. Yeah, and in fact, apparently, apparently um, that very thing is what caused the screenwriter for Argo to come work on the script for um, Batman v Superman. Because supposedly Ben Affleck is like, hey, I'm sold on the vision and everything, but this script needs work. And the guy who did Argo is, you know, Oscar-nominated and really good, so let's bring him along so we can make sure that this script is where it needs to be because I don't want another Daredevil on our hands. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it could have been worse, but, you know, it was uh, it was still something. Uh, yeah. Which gives me hope because the thing is, is Zack Snyder... Um, Zack Snyder, as a director, and just as uh, as you know, being able to visualize things and bring stuff together, he's a like if you give him a really solid script, he's an, he's an excellent He'll director. Direct the crap out of it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but if you let him write the screenplay, well, then you're just getting you know, then you're just inviting him to sucker punch you. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, look at the work he's done so far in directing, like, 300, and he did Watchmen, which is just uh, freaking amazing, in my opinion. Uh, I think the director's kind of Watchmen. Like, for anyone who didn't... For anyone who only saw the theatrical edition, I would recommend checking out the director's cut, just because I felt like it added in a bunch of character moments that finally made the characters click in a way that they just kind of didn't in the theatrical. Like especially Doctor Manhattan when it goes through his uh, when it, when it goes through his explanation of how he uh, became Doctor Manhattan. Oh, there's I love that. First, yeah, there's this crucial part that I'm like can't believe they left out of the theatrical that's in the director's 
where it's like, you know, when he's trapped in there just before he's about to be vaporized, you know, in the theatrical, it's just like, uh, he's about to be vaporized, and, oh, no, that. Whereas in the director's cut, he's about to be vaporized, and he remembers being a kid and his dad having, like, taken apart a watch and arranged all the pieces. And his dad, you know, and his dad says, now all you have to do is just put the pieces back together. And then you hear him in voiceover say, I remember, you know, something to the effect of, I remember what my father said, and I knew what I had to do. And zap! And then when he starts coming back, because you had that moment in there, you realize, like, oh, my gosh, he, like a watchmaker, put himself back together. That's really compelling. That's really cool. It's very cool. Whereas in the theatrical edition, it's like, oh, he's coming back together because reasons, I guess. All right. It doesn't click. And His little monologues are really something to behold. You know, it's great dialogue, yeah. and it's very telling in a in yeah. a chilly, chilling sort of way. You know, he's like, I had my first beer with with my, you know, future wife at this, and I remember the cold, perspiring beverage, and it's all very, it's all very meaningful, it's, yeah. especially coming from a guy who pretty much has no feelings anymore because he sees everything in a way that's uh, that no one else can understand. And yeah. like you said, watching him put himself back together, you know, there was a circulatory system that showed up and then a bone skeleton and then, you know, he puts it all together and bam, you know, he's Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, really yeah. great stuff. So Zack Snyder, you know, he's killing it as a director. You know, as long as he's not writing the scripts, I think he's, uh, he's yeah. he'll, he'll nail anything director-wise that you, you can give him. Well, I mean, it, it's funny to me how often people forget that he was the director for Dawn of the Dead. And that that was a movie he knocked out of the park as a director. You had a great script written by James Gunn, who did Guardians of the Galaxy. And and so that Dawn of the Dead remake was really, really freaking good. It was really funny. It was really well directed. And it's like... And so Zack Snyder has a good screenwriter, then I think he does really good work. And, you know, just like the more they keep um, oh, I spaced out on his name. What was the screenwriter for Man of Steel? Oh, uh, I can't remember the screenwriter's name, honestly. Yeah, he also did Blade, and he directed Blade Trinity, and it's going to come to me later. Anyway, he he's a great idea, man, but his scripts, the final execution of them, tend to leave a lot to be desired. And he also has a tendency to make some comments that make me want to strangle him. So the more they keep him away from the project, the happier I'll be. Indeed. We'll try and do that. You know, we'll write up a restraining order or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally we got a first look at Wonder Woman. Uh, <laughs> and the giggling begins. Uh, Gal Gadot, so as, uh, as Wonder Woman, she's just going to nail it. I mean, it's it's, it's cool. obvious from what we've seen already that she's just going to kill it as Wonder Woman, as Diana Prince. Um, I, I feel I kind was, of embarrassed yeah. that I didn't even realize that Gal Gadot has... Uh, as much of an accent as she does, and I'm like, 
I'm actually like, is Wonder Woman herself going to have an accent in the movie? And I don't know. I'm like, I think that'd be kind of cool if you did. Because I'll evoke even more her outsiderness. I felt the same way about Henry Cavill when he was like talking on screen. I was like, dang, he's got a thick accent. <laughs> you know, there's no buts about it. You know, he's British. You know, you're like, yeah. you know, a lot of times the British actors, you, you can like hear a little bit because, you know, after acting so long, they kind of pull these yeah. other accents and their original accent kind of fades a little bit. But his is yeah. just like thick, yeah. you know, landed on thick. <laughs> yeah, whereas... Yeah, it's funny because, like, when Christian Bale got the part of Batman, um, in interviews, he didn't use his his normal Welsh accent. He spoke in an American accent because, like, I didn't want to confuse people by by them being like, wait, is Batman going to have an accent in the movie? Because this guy's talking with an accent. <laughs> but, I thought uh, it was funny, like, watching... The, the, they did a take where Henry Cavill said something, and then it went to Joel Kinnaman, who was, like, straight up American and he's he's like from New York or he's from like Boston or somewhere like on the East Coast it sounds like or mm-hmm. or the Midwest and he just has the plain Jane American man accent. He's just like it was like this and like this and Henry I was like I it, it was just a, such a cool contrast to see on screen. Uh but yeah, Gal Gadot, she's just she's uh like they describe her, she is going to play this uh, beautiful but kind and fierce uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Can I just take a moment to rant about the people who are still going on about about Gal Gadot's body type? Oh, so I, uh, rant away. I, I am sick and tired of these people. I mean... I think their heart is kind of in the right place because, you know, Hollywood has a tendency to favor just one body type. You know, this the skinny supermodel, you know, body shape. I get that. And wouldn't it have been nice to have, like, someone that, you know, to probably have someone that has more of a stereotypically Amazonian physique? Sure, maybe. But at the same time, though, Gal Gadot is cast as the part, and she has worked out. And not everybody, when they work out, bulks up the same way as someone else. You know what I mean? And yeah, people exactly. who are, people who are harping on her because she doesn't have the body of, say, Ronda Rousey, need to realize that they're actually being they're being sexist in a different way because. You know, this, well, sexist, or not sexist, but just body shaming. You know what I mean? They're basically just being like, you don't have the body type that we feel is ideal, and now we're going to try and make you feel bad about it. You well, know, shame on them. Yeah, it's like, it's stupid. Shut up. She's got the part. Let her act. And Honestly, if you look at it, Wonder Woman most of the time in the comics, she's not like super buff. Amazonians are just strong by virtue of being Amazon. Yeah. And yeah, it like has her, nothing really to her, do with their body type. Yeah, like her her height or level of muscle or just like her body dimensions really fluctuate depending on who's drawing her. It's it's not like, say, She-Hulk who, you know, whoever they cast as She-Hulk really needs to be at least 
you know, needs to be at least six foot and definitely have lots of good muscle tone going on. Lots of meat on the bone. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like for crying out loud, Gal Gadot doesn't look any, you know, doesn't look any wispier than Linda Carter. And Linda Carter, Linda Carter kicked ass of that part. She yes, was, she did. You know, she was excellent. And so, so yeah, the, these people who are body shaming her, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. Especially since she served in the Israeli military as a drill instructor. Yes. <laughs> and she's uh, got bona fides. She yeah, she does. Yes, yeah, and she will. She will, yep. you know. She sees you in person and you say something stupid, man, you're going to end up on the ground. You're going to be face yep. up and you're, uh, you're going to be covered in blood and you're going to be very, very uh, ashamed. Yep. Uh, we we got some good glimpses, though, didn't we? We saw, uh, we saw her on on a horse, cutting down some guy. We saw her uh, taking on, like, five or six guys in a room. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it's sort of, like, her being on the horse and kind of with some of the other Amazons, it really gave me some, like, gladiator sort of vibes as far as, like, the cinematography, which is good. Like, I, I, I've kind of felt for a long time that, that if anyone wanted to find, you know, Oscar bait movie to base Wonder Woman on as a template, Gladiator would be an excellent place to look. I, yeah, agreed. No joke about it there. I honestly hope we get to see a little bit more of, like, Themyscira, and I'm glad they called it Themyscira instead of Paradise Island. I think it it uh, it adds to the mythos to use the actual place, like, called Themyscira yeah. in the, uh, you know, as, as part of our lexicon of words that we associate with her Instead of saying yeah. Paradise Island, I, I like that a lot better. And yeah. Yeah, I just I, I really want to see like the uh, like the temples and a lot of the Greek architecture. I think it would be really fun to see a lot of that yeah. as well. Yeah. Did you hear the news? Actually, speaking of Gladiator, did you hear the news about who was cast as Hippolyta? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, it's so you remember the movie Gladiator, right? Yes. You remember the Emperor's sister? Oh, her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah, be great. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, oh, crap. Anyway, I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. Go up. <laughs> That's Anyone okay. listening, go on the Internet Movie Database, look up Gladiator, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, her. But I'm like, she's, she's the same, same one from, uh, that plays uh, the wife from 300. No, no, the, no, that's Cersei Lannister. You're thinking of Cersei yeah. Lannister. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I sometimes get those two confused. Uh, um, yeah. No, um... It's but just a no, movie she, type. <laughs> yeah, like, they kind of... But I, I'm excited for that, because she's... Um, she's a really good choice for that, and not one that I, like... Again was unexpected. You know, I'd heard uh, Connie Nielsen, that's her name. I'd heard ah, kind yeah. of, yeah, I, I'd heard, uh, you know, I'd heard Charlie Theron be thrown around and apparently they, supposedly they'd been looking at um, Nicole Kidman and all that, but Connie Nielsen, I'm like, she's, she'll be great as, as that part. Yeah, but uh, no joke about that. 
Yeah, I, I'm serious though. Like, I'm just excited for this movie. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about the fact. I'm excited to see uh, see Mascara. I'm excited that they're really going to be embracing that sort of mythological side. And I'm also excited for the fact that they're doing something unexpected and they're setting it during World War One, where typically Wonder Woman, you know, seems to Wonder Woman has ties with World War Two just because that's when her character was created. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me to set it during World War One instead. Because, you know, if you look at the Amazons, it makes no sense that they would, like, sit out in the First World War, you know? It's yeah. Like, it's like something gets that big, I imagine they would get involved. And not only that, too, like, the time... It's nice because then it further differentiates her from Captain America and makes it seem... You know, less like, and plus, World War One just doesn't. You know, you you don't see a World War One is World War Two. Sadly enough, is almost becoming like a cliche. It, you know, it's like, oh yeah, well of course they're going to fight the Nazis because Nazis are evil. But you know, with World War One, that war wasn't as cut and dry. And so, no, it wasn't. It was a. Uh, it was pretty murky all around. I mean, there were so yeah, many yeah, events that is, started fires everywhere. It was. Uh, it was hard to tell who really was against who and why, you know. It yeah, wasn't and, and just, who side you should be on. Yeah, and so having Wonder Woman in that conflict is so much more compelling because that is what Wonder Woman does. She gets at the bottom of a conflict that doesn't have an easy solution. That's why, you know, it's like if she's if, – if it's just – you know, she's also a Wonder Woman is a good person. If it's just, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like there's got to be, there's got to be a sense of navigating, of of navigating a bad situation. Like, well, did you ever see Princess Mononoke? No. What is wrong with you, man? Come on. You just laid down another hipster reference. Oh, how am I supposed to know this stuff? Oh, my gosh. Okay. You know what? Anyone anyone listening right now, you can stop <laughs> listening to this podcast because he just referred to Princess Mononoke as a hipster movie. We're done here. We, uh, I, It was a good run, but we're, we're finished. Anyway. I don't know uh, this movie. <laughs> Princess Mononoke is freaking awesome. Oh, I'm sure You're, it is. I've just never seen it. Yeah, but just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's a hipster. Well, I would have at least heard of it. Anyway, anyway. I was trying to think of another example where you have, like, you know, have you seen any Hayao Miyazaki movie? Uh, no. Uh, no. I'm... I'm a mainstream I'm, movie guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm gathering that. Yeah, anyway, you know that. You knew that when we started this. I, I did know that, but I didn't know the degree. And I'm now, <laughs> I'm reeling from this. I'm, I'm very. I'll get over it. Anyway, when it comes to Wonder Woman, the best type of plotline to throw her in is one where things are complicated, and it's not just here's the good guys, here's the bad guys, let's fight. Because if that's the plot you're going to have, you may as well call any of the other characters and they'll be more compelling. No, it's... Wonder Woman works 
best when it's here's someone who has good intentions, but they're doing the bad, but they're doing bad things for the wrong reason. You know, they're doing bad things, but for the right reason. And here's someone else who's doing good things, but for the wrong reason. And their wrong reasons are going to invalidate the good things. And blah blah blah. It's just like that's when that's when you call in Wonder Woman because she's got all, because she's got her lasso of truth. And the thing about the lasso, the thing about truth as a concept, is that sometimes truth can seem at the surface contradictory or still not help you when you're surrounded by liars and cheats. And you most know, people there, think of truth like, as subjective, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's, there should be like a sense of, you know, any good Wonder Woman story should almost have a sense of espionage a little bit. Where it's like, you know, just trying to navigate or there's some slight politicking in there, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And World War One was very, very rife with that because the whole reason why that, store, that war happened was because of politics. politics. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm excited for that. And I'm excited that they got a female director and a really good one who yeah, did Monster. Yeah, yeah, did Monster with... Um, with Charlie Theron, and was almost the director for Thor 2, but then Marvel said no, which ticked uh, Natalie Portman off to the point that supposedly she she almost wanted to quit. But uh, well, they learned their mistake that they never should have done that. They should have yeah. probably stuck with yeah. Patty Jenkins. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> and um, and Patty Jenkins. So. Patty Jenkins, really good director. She's also done some directing for Arrested Development, uh, Entourage, which I won't hold against her, uh, The Killing, <laughs> and like... Just I'll just know, forget about that one. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so she's, you know, she's a really solid director, and the thing that got me the most excited about this movie was just hearing her say, just describing in her words, what she thought about Wonder Woman, which is that the thing about Wonder Woman is that she's very, is that she's very um, kind and sincere, but yet that doesn't stop her from being powerful. Which she is very powerful, yes. Yes, which made me so ecstatic to hear that because I'm so sick of how often people write her to be like Xena. Just kicks me off. Well, and Patty, I, know you I like guess, really understands... Warm. Patty really I, I understands know, who Wonder Woman is. Yeah, exactly. Because the thing about Wonder Woman is that she's... she's a, Wonder Woman is, is characterized by some very interesting contradictions. She's... She's a, she's a feminist from, from an island of nothing but women who is standing up for men's rights, too. That's the reason why she left that island of women. You know, like she 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 plays both sides. She's you know, and she's got that you know, she's she's got that sort of stereotypically masculine um I mean I say stereotypically masculine uh sense of 
fighting and warfare, but she also has the stereotypically feminine uh, sense of understanding and and cooperation and logic and and logic and it's and it's like she has both of them and and that's what makes her character so crucial is that she's she never goes for the easy path she goes for the path that's going to bring people together even if that's the hardest path that anyone can take which it usually is such as the life of a diplomat yep exactly Exactly. And a warrior. Exactly. So, anyway, I'm excited. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Wonder Woman fanboy, and I've long felt that her character just doesn't doesn't get enough credit, doesn't get enough. It often isn't even written as well as she sh- as she should be, and just usually gets short shrift. And so, I'm really really excited with the possibility that, of her getting just a solid movie that will show the world why she is such a compelling and awesome character. I agree. Um, she's definitely going to be amazing to watch. She's just got a, a huge future ahead of her. And, you know, uh, growing up, I wasn't a huge fan of Wonder Woman, mostly because I didn't know much about her, but, you know, this has got me going. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the, I'm on the, the, fast track, you know, I'm on the bandwagon for her because I just think um, after watching a bunch of DC movies and, you know, really reading her and uh, learning about her, I'm just all for Wonder Woman. I think she's amazing. Uh, she's for truth and equality and fighting for the, you know, for the right. So uh, Wonder Woman coming 2017, uh, summer 2017, it's going to be amazing. Um other than that, I think we've pretty well covered uh, this DC uh, Universe Films event. Uh, there's so many great things coming. It's going to be a great year, uh, yeah. 20, 2016. Yeah. You know, we've got Batman v Superman March 25th, uh, which is coming up real fast. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe it's here. I mean, I was thinking about how awesome it would be when 2016 came around, like, over a year and a half ago, and I was like, man, Batman v Superman, that's so far away, and it's so close, I can taste it, and it's, uh, yeah. it's going to be amazing. And we, right? and we've, got, we've got Deadpool coming, Deadpool. You know, coming on Valentine's Day, so it's like, oh. it's like we're going to be get, we're basically going to be getting like a big, I think we're going to pretty much be getting a big superhero release, what feels like every single month. Yes, exactly, and uh, his is, it's just it's treat it's the treat year you know we got a we got something in february something in march uh we yeah. have captain america civil war coming in april uh we don't have anything really in may but there are a few other big movies coming uh summer 2016 you know we're getting independence day we're getting uh i think tarzan and we're getting uh ghostbusters reboot which will uh, be fun i'm hoping that one will be good I, I hope they I, strike gold. I really yeah. do. Well, uh, especially since the director that I saw, I, I saw the movie he did with Melissa McCarthy, Spy. Oh, man. Surprisingly hilarious. Surprisingly violent, but absolutely hysterical. Oh, Statham is my favorite in that movie. He just he just makes me lose it. His character is hilarious. If you haven't watched any bits, just go on YouTube and find bits of Statham 
making his comments from that movie. This is Ram. Watch like this going on. Yeah, it's like I. It's like I take and watch the woman I love fall out of a plane and then get hit in midair by another plane. <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous things you've my ever heard. I arm and started back on with this arm. Like, with really? this arm. That, that doesn't even seem that doesn't even seem I swallowed a bunch of microchips and I shat out a computer. <laughs> just like this is the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh. It's, like know, basically, it's like instead of um, Chuck Norris facts, it's like he's doing Jason Statham facts. It's so funny. Yeah, like Statham usually is this very uh, serious actor, but they turn that seriousness on its head and uh, turn it comedic, and it just works. He just works it over with lead pipes. He's real good. Uh, so, yeah. So, so funny. Uh, yeah, so we've got... Um, it's going to be a big year. And then, like, yeah, it's gonna be and then in December, we've, we've got... And then in December, we've got Rogue One. You know, oh, we have Rogue Star. One. We also have uh, Apocalypse. We have X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, that's right, that's right. Right? Yeah. And we have Doctor Strange coming in November. Oh, yeah. See, it's... So it's a we're... We've got a big year ahead of us. Uh, there's going to be so much to watch and rewatch. I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, March 25th, I'm taking off work to go watch Batman v Superman like maybe two to three times. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. It sounds stupid, and I'm sure there are plenty of people out there going to do it. I'm going to spend the whole day watching my favorite heroes do their thing. You can count on it. I may not dress Good. up, but I will. I will be there oogling and ogling the whole movie and just geeking out the whole way through and sending mass tweets in between showings, just being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Kid on Christmas, that's my Christmas right there. Batman, Superman, uh, reincarnated on screen together for the first time in a long time. Uh, First time ever, like, live action film. Uh, so, so excited. Can't wait. Deadpool is just gonna make my, my Valentine's Day all the sweeter. I know my wife won't go see it with me. She's, she's not gonna do it. But, uh, yeah. So looking forward to this year's, uh, slate of movies. Super excited. Can't wait. Um, anyway, this, uh, this has been fun. Uh, but, you know, if you want more of us, if you want to hear from us, talk to us, connect with us, we are on Facebook. We are on uh, Twitter, at Sons of Comics. We are on iTunes and Stitcher for you Android users. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, which I haven't done much with, but, you know, we're still there. Uh, uh, we're also on Patreon. If you want to donate to our podcast, please do so. You can do so there. Uh, a buck, anything helps to make our podcast better please check us out write us a review stick with us we've got great stuff coming um so yeah thank you tell us what you think and uh have a great night see ya